You are listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. For more information about the Pursuit of Manliness or find out about the herd, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. Let's pray. God, thank you for, uh, thank you for Chad. And I thank you for the, the, the gift of technology, the gift of books, all the things that have happened to get us to this place. God, I thank you for um, Mighty Oaks Foundation. It's just humbling to see what they're doing and, and certainly to get to see this, this family. And uh, God, thank you for allowing us to do this. And I pray as we talk about this book, as we talk about just being Christian men, what that looks like and how that's lived out. Uh, there might be some guy listening in his AirPods. Maybe he's working out somewhere. Maybe he's in his truck or in his garage. that's going to hear something to say, man, I needed to hear that. And uh, we, we know that you will show up as you always do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, man. Well, we're going to get on with this. We are uh, excited to have Chad Robichaud, correct, on, on, on the show here. Chad, we're talking about your book, Unfair Advantage. Would you take a moment, just introduce yourself, and we'll go from there. Yeah, um, yeah Chad Robichaud. I'm uh, the president and founder of Mighty Oaks Foundation, as well as a founding member of uh, Save Our Allies uh, organization that rescued 17,000 people out of, out of Afghanistan back in the withdrawal this past year. But Mighty Oaks Foundation is a, it's a started from me. You know, I did eight deployments to Afghanistan as a force recon Marine, uh, came home with a lot of the issues that many of our military service members faced. I had a, a lot of things that happened in my road to recovery, but one of the most profound things was my, the restoration of my faith. And, and in that, I just had a deep burden on my heart that God really place there to help others. And so we started Mighty Oaks Foundation about 12 years ago, been able to have put about 4,300 uh, people, uh, active duty service members, veterans, first responders through our programs that are five different ranches around the country, uh, all paid for by us. And then uh, in addition, I've uh, spoken about 300,000 active duty troops on uh, in our resiliency programs, giving away about maybe 200,000 copies of my books to the troops. And Worked on a lot of veterans policy. President Trump had appointed me to be the chairman of the Faith-Based Veterans Coalition. And, uh, and uh, in addition to that, we're doing a lot of international efforts with Mighty Oaks, taking the, the same things we do as U.S. service members to foreign service members and uh, operating in places like currently Ukraine, uh, traveling out to Ukraine and uh, bringing spiritual resiliency to Ukrainian troops as they protect their homes and families. So that's essentially in a nutshell what Mighty Oaks is. In addition to my military background, in special operations, uh, you know, as Force Recon Marine, JSOC Task Force. In addition to that, I was also lifelong martial artist and a professional MMA fighter uh, with 20 pro MMA fights and won a world title. And so, you know, God's given me those platforms to use to, you know, to be able to share the work that we're doing right now. And, uh, and so that's kind of, in a nutshell, my background. Yeah, well, that, and that's not even scratching the surface because i once i got your book i read the book i thought it was incredible i started following you on social media and got to connect with your son a little bit there's nothing you guys don't do i mean you you don't sit down for five minutes you got a chair behind you i'm not sure that's not even a prop do you ever sit down and just take the load off uh unfortunately i while i, while I preach that you should do that i've been a very bad student of that this past year um you know i, I you know i've been married for 27 years i have three uh adult children who started their own families that are married. And, and so I try to invest as much time as I can into, into my family. Uh, but, you know, everybody in my family knows that I'm always going a thousand miles an hour. You know, God's only given us so much time on this earth and I want to make as big of an impact as I can. Uh, Mighty Oaks is, is amazing team, uh, as well as the, the guys over at Save Our Allies. It's amazing 
people that I'm surrounded by that, that have been, you know, all passionate to, you know, just do incredible things. And yeah. so we're just pushing forward and trying to meet the needs of people around the world. So. Well, as I see in the show notes, we're talking about this book, uh, Unfair Advantage, and it's not the only, you've written other books. You have a new book coming out here that hopefully we'll get to talk about at some point, but um, what, let's start with it. What led you to write Unfair Advantage? And, and then we'll get into this, this phrase. I've used this even when I'm teaching, this phrase that you use, Unfair Advantage, because when I first read it, I had to read it a couple of times and think, is he, did he, is he saying what I think he's saying? So what, what led you to write this book? Well, um, you know, I, I never, first of all, I never desired to write or speak. Uh, uh, I always, I, I love teaching, you know, as, as a, when the Marine Corps, I was 17 years old and it seems like everything I learned how to do in the Marine Corps, somehow or another, I found myself teaching it. So I love teaching uh, as a jiu-jitsu instructor, every, you know, everything I did in Marine Corps, again, I was always teaching, but I never thought I wanted to be a public speaker or, or read a book, much less write one. Uh, and uh, so, you know, God has amazing sense of humor, how he thrust us into things. And uh, I started public speaking to really share my story to help reach other veterans who are struggling with the same things I, I, I struggle with, which was, you know, a big step for me because it, it's just not my, it's outside of my comfort zone. And then I ended up in, you know, big platforms speaking in places like Liberty in front of 15,000 people and seeing the impact it had to share that message of what God did in my life. And now, you know, that could happen for anyone, if it could happen for me. And, uh, and just as an outreach tool. And as I'm speaking, I realized, uh, you know, I can reach more people by actually writing it down. Uh, I'd run into people all the time, uh, like usually family members that say, man, I wish my, my son or my brother or, or, you know, my husband or, or my, you know, whatever, my friend, I wish they would have heard this message. Uh, and they would have really related to it because of their service but they would never come to a church or they would never come to a speaking event or they would never listen to this program. Uh, they would never go to a program like Mighty Oaks. And so I knew I had to write a, write a tool that that person could give to someone that maybe they'll read it in a moment of darkness. And so that when I wrote an unfair advantage, it was that it was a tool that I could give to a mom, a wife, a brother, a sister, a friend to them. So they could give it to a service member or someone that was struggling in a dark place then maybe in a moment of darkness, they would read it. And so when I write, when I wrote it, I wrote very much uh, starting where I thought someone that was, that was cynical, hard-hearted, closed-minded would be, and not super interested in hearing about, you know, about Jesus, but then tell us stories about combat and about life and about times in MMA cage and then biblical stories that paralleled that really inspired me and, uh, and just take them through a journey deeper and deeper and deeper. And at the end, it kind of brings you to a point to where you kind of, have to make a decision and we all have to make a decision in our life uh, of whether we're going to, you know, believe and follow the life that Jesus has set up for us or we're going to not, you know, we have to make the decision. So I think it, uh, it's meant to present a good case to someone who would be cynical, skeptical, and would never come hear me speak. And that, that's why I initially wrote it. And the title, An Unfair Advantage, is uh, I, the reason I picked that title is because I was thinking of just how profound of a life change that I had in my, when for me when I stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and started systematically aligning my life with, I believe, the way life was created to live. And so as I started doing this, I realized that all these problems that I faced before, these things that had beat me up and put me in depression and anxiety and almost to the point to where I took my life and through a suicide attempt, like all those things, once I had Jesus in my life and was living life by biblical design, once I was living that way, then I had an unfair advantage over those things uh, because it's impossible 
uh, for those things to defeat me when I had God in my life. And uh, it's really like legit, like I, I, that's the only way I know I explain it. It's, like, it's an unfair advantage. Like these things stand, uh, stand no chance against you uh, if you have God in your life and you're living life, life as it's in, intended to live. And uh, so that's why I picked that title. It's been a lot of questions about the title, which I, I like. I like that because it, uh, it creates conversation. Uh, now for the record, I give you credit every time I mention it. I say, hey, I, yeah, it's not my idea, but I like that because working with you know, a lot of people here, we when, especially this, as you talk about the cynic or the, the person who's maybe antagonistic towards Christianity, you know, the, it's a crutch, it's whatever. And when you think about it, a lot of times we play that down, you know, we try to play down what, what the relationship with Jesus is, or whatever. But, you know, the Bible's pretty clear that if you're in Christ, you're going to live forever. You have immortality available to you through, through Jesus. How come we don't see it that way? How come we see it as almost like the wussified version of Christianity? Or we look at it as, I don't want to offend nobody with this, but we really do have an unfair advantage over those who are, who are lost. Well, I, th- I think it's, I don't think it's by accident. I, th- I think it's, I think somewhat of it's passivity uh, from culture and particularly Christian culture. It's why I wasn't attracted to the Christian church or, or Christianity and masculinity in the, in the church was lacking. And uh, so I think there's a lot of passive passivity there. I also think it's a, it's a deliberate scheme of the enemy and probably one of the most effective schemes of the enemy to, uh, to portray an image, a caricature of the real thing of what Christianity is and what it's not. So I think the enemy is very strategic. And uh, instead of, you know, showing up in your house like a fire breathing demon, uh, which obviously would lead you to Christ faster than anything else. Uh, he's just going to, he's just going to make Christianity seem so unappealing. And so I, I think when you look at uh, other I hate using Islam as an example, um, but when you look at like the jihadist warfighters like the Taliban, right? Uh, who, you know, I've did eight deployments against those guys and then dealt with them during the withdrawal. I mean, one thing you got to give them, uh, even though they have an evil, flawed ideology, is their spiritual resiliency and their concept of eternity. This life is meaningless to them they fight and live for eternal value and eternity. And that gives them a huge edge in the battlefield. When, you, when you know, we're in Afghanistan, we had you know, technology, equipment, money, people, like all this that we threw at them, we out, outdid them in every area for 20 years, but at 20 years, they're still standing there. And ultimately it pains me to say, they're on the, they're on the mountaintop right now. They have the country that they wanted. Uh, I hate to use the words they win, but we gave up. Uh, as a country, they win. How'd they, how'd they make it 20 years? Their spiritual resiliency, their perspective to see things eternally. And, uh, you know, they're evil, flawed, disgusting human beings. However, <laughs> they got that right. And Christians, if Christians, when Christians get that right as well, uh, there's nothing that stops us. When we could see things from an eternal perspective, when we understand that every battle we're in, whether on the battlefield of combat or the battles of in our home, as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a parent, like as a, pr- a friend, every battle we're in is a spiritual battle. When we can see things that way and see things from eternal perspective, uh, you know, we have, you know, much, again, go back to the unfair advantage. We have an unfair advantage. We're going to find victory. Uh, it's just tapping into who we are created to be, denying those lies of the enemy that says, you know, Christianity is weak, that, uh, that, passive attitude that we could have 
uh, to, to be, you know, super passive about Christianity and do a water, live a watered down version of it. You know, uh, you know, these are things we have to realize as, as people of faith. I, I told you before we started that, um, you know, we have a, a thing called tribe. It's a discipleship group that our next session will be going through this book. We, we have a Bible reading we do every day, but a supplemental reading. And so we want to get this book in as many hands as possible because of that idea, that concept of un, the unfair advantage. And you talk about a brotherhood, you talk about having guys to your left, to your right, who's got your six. And so on page 60, and you said you talk about um, you know your 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 brothers that you've seen persevere in the worst circumstances. You've seen them break, but they keep going even when broken. You learn who you are, and you know who's on your left and right. It is the fires of hardship that forge us into our very best. Man, you and I could talk about this all day long. There'll still be a guy who's going to try to go at this thing alone. Why, why are we so hard headed to not realize how desperate we are for brotherhood, camaraderie, iron sharpens iron, all all the cliches. Why is that so hard to get some guys to understand that? Well, I think it's pride. Uh, it comes down to pride. Like we, <clears throat> we, by, we have a sinful nature, and, and part of that sinful nature as men, particularly, is is our pride. And uh, so, you know, again, if you look at this in a worldly thing, you think it's stupidity. It's guys being hard headed, like the word you just used, being hard headed. When you look at it from a spiritual sense and understand you're in a spiritual battle, you have a spiritual enemy in that battle and knows our weaknesses uh, of our flesh, knows our, our sinful natures, and knows that pride's one of them. So if they could whisper those, those things in our ear of pride, you don't need any help. You can do this on your own. That person's going to think you're weak if you express that. If you express that uh, weakness you're dealing with, that challenge you're dealing with, these people could think less of you. Uh, they're going to look at you a certain way. Uh, those, those whispers of, of, uh, from the enemy of that feed into our pride make us make poor decisions that, that ultimately lead us alone uh, isolated, uh, by ourselves and not able to, I mean, it's, if you were, if I'm fighting a, you know, a team of like the most amazing special operators in the world, uh, and they're all together, man, they're dangerous. But if I could sneak in and whisper to one and separate them off by themselves, then they're weak. I could take that guy out and then I could take another, I could separate another one, take him out. That's the spiritual battle that we have to be able to see to understand what's going on. And, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, that the weapons that the enemy uses is, is our pride against us. And, and, and it, I think more than anything else, what I've seen in the last 12 years of helping uh, so many amazing military warriors who have been successful on the battlefield of, of combat, but come home and can't make it through the battlefield of life is, is that alone. They isolate themselves based on their pride, find themselves alone, end up sticking a pistol in their mouth at a rate of 20 something a day 22 a day or whatever num number you want to pull from or, or, you know, lose their families, lose their jobs, lose their career, lose their dignity and live a, just a, a, a life of depression and, and hopelessness uh, all because they let pride isolate themselves and become alone. You know, as one guy right now that I can tell you that I've, I mean, one of the most phenomenal special operations leaders I've seen in my life. And, and uh, he's, the last over the last year, he systematically has sabotaged every relationship in his life, and uh, and is you know, one of the most loving, like charismatic human beings is all alone right now, no friends, and he, he's battling alone. And, and I watched him do it, and obviously I know this process because I've been through it myself and seen so many people. We're that's why we're talking about it right now. But I watched him over the last year systematically push everyone out of his life, amazing people that loved him, care about him, and he's all alone right now. And, uh, and he's one example of 
thousands of people in the veteran community and millions of people around the world outside of the veteran community that do this to every day, uh, isolate themselves based on their own pride. Absolutely. And, and, and there's a, an immense amount of humility required to say, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. I, I need some guys to come alongside me. I need some guys to encourage me. You talk about uh, page 115 where you got the, the first legacy FC bantamweight champion, by the way, congratulations on that. Uh, but you talk about how good that was, people cheering for you, people in your corner. And there's this line at the, at the end of this kind of paragraph you're breaking down. I think this is important as we're talking about brotherhood. You said uh, you need to you get the people in your corner who will tell you the words you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And I think for some men, when they've never had someone tell them the truth in love, they take it as a personal attack. And what you need to realize, those people are for you. They're, they're, they're championing your cause. So how do we start to filter that? When we hear words, you know, someone says something to you, Chad, you say, no, that's something I need to hear. They're not attacking me personally. How, how do we know the difference between someone in your corner and someone who's a critic? Well, I think if we're all honest, um, we already know the answer to that individual on an individual level because we know better than anyone what our weaknesses are. We, it, it's innate inside of us to know what's right and what's wrong. And we know our flaws more than anyone else. We may not openly admit them, uh, but we know our flaws. And so when someone calls out our flaws, it, it, it confirms what we already know. And there's a, the instinct uh, that comes from that is a retaliation because you like, you just expose me I'm the only one that's supposed to know about the, that about myself. And there's a, there's a, a, a resistance that comes with like, and almost like you want to shun that person because you don't want them to expose you to other people. Uh, the correct approach, the biblical approach is to say, Hey, this guy sees my heart. He knows my weaknesses and my struggles. Uh, now we have this, we share this, you know, we share what something that I'm struggling with that he knows about. And uh, because he's brought it up to me, you know, maybe we can work through that together. I think one of the things that, that defeats pride, and you mentioned it, uh, is humility. Uh, but also on top of that humility is vulnerability and transparency. You have to be vulnerable and transparent. Uh, Stu Weber talks about it in Attendant Warrior, that fifth level transparency. The person that you'll tell, that you're willing to tell even the thoughts in your mind about the the sinful thoughts in your mind, the evil and disgusting things that we think about, you have to have someone in your life that you can share those things with. And when, when you got people around you that tell you everything you want to hear, not what you need to hear, it's a very dangerous place to be because you don't have any accountability in your life. You have to have people that'll hold you accountable, that'll tell you those hard things. And it's got to be people that you'll trust with those things that are not going to, you know, burn you on them, but actually there to, to help you. And uh, I mean, for me, I had a season in my life where I was won that world title belt and, uh, and was, had my own jujitsu school and had all these like people around me who uh, some of them probably loved me and, and, and had good, good intentions, but some of them were just like uh, fans of my, my athletic accomplishments, not fans of me, but fans of my achievements. And, uh, and, and I had really found myself in a place where everybody told me what everyone actually told me what I wanted to hear. And there was no one telling me what I need to hear. And it wasn't that those people weren't available to me. It's that I had pushed them out because when they would challenge me and they would uh, say things to me, I would like put those people at distance now. And so it was me that created an environment. And then when I recognized that, you know, as I'm in my road to recovery, I'm recognizing that I'm like, I need people in my life that are going to call me out. I need people in my life. that are going to say, pull my head out of my butt. Uh, you're making a bad decision here. Uh, you're hurting your family. You're 
you're you're not treating your wife the way your wife needs to be treated. You're not being a good dad. Like I needed those people in my life, and I had spent a season without that. And uh, so now moving forward, I don't ever want to be in my uh, a position in my life again where I can't have people around me that can tell me those hard things I need to hear. And uh, and you know, in turn, I want to be that for other guys too. I mean, I, I had a very good friend this week that I had to sit down. I, I was texting him and he was kind of avoiding me. And I just texted him like, Hey, you're not going to get away from me. Let's sit down and have a face-to-face conversation. And I closed the door uh, with him and, and I said, we're not going to leave this room until we resolve this in your life. Like I, I love you that much as a friend that I'm not leaving this room until we get this resolved and, and moving in the right direction. We're either going to leave not friends or we're going to be, or we're going to be heading in, in a positive direction for you. Cause that's, you know, that's how much I care about you. And, uh, and I have people that do that for me too. And uh, you have to have those kind of people in your life. And you have to be that for someone else. Like you just said there, I think sometimes we try to make it all go one way that we want everyone to coach us up, mentor us, disciple us. At some point you have to do that for others as well. You have a responsibility. Now you talk about this idea that we're all leaving a legacy, right? We're all leaving some kind of legacy behind uh, God's intent for you. You said being a man and the warrior you were created to be is a great challenge and you will face giants of your own. I mean, it's not going to be easy. You know, uh, it, you know, being married, staying married, would you say 20, however, how long you've been married? You got grown kid. How long was that? 27. 27 years. Yeah. 27 years of, of a different marriage every year and the battles you face, literal, mental, physical, et cetera. How do we keep guys moving forward? How do we keep them moving the right direction, staying faithful, staying focused on the mission at hand? Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned it, you, you live with the, the end in mind, right? Uh, we, especially from our culture, we're like the right here, the right now, what makes me happy right now, immediate satisfaction. It's a very flawed part of a Western culture. culture. Um, you know, when, but when we live with the end in mind, when I get frustrated with my wife and after 27 years, trust me, I get frustrated with my wife. I had somebody tell me this week, oh, I, I'm, I'm on my fourth time. Hopefully the fourth time's a charm. I'm like, yeah, uh, you've been married four times. I've been married to the same person 27 years, but we probably hit the reset button like way more than four times. You know, um, it's, it's really hard. But when, when I get in those moments that's hard with my wife or hard with uh, any relationship or hard with a job, like I think about like the end. How do I, how do I want my life to be at, at 80 years old? Uh, when I'm 80 years old, do I, want to, do I want to be with someone that I've been married to for 60 years? Or someone that, I, that that my sixth wife that I just met like five years ago, who's probably 20, 30 years younger than me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like who do I want to be with at that part of my life? Like, who do I want to be there when I'm uh when I can't wipe my own butt anymore? Like, who do who do I want in my life at that time? You know, uh, and and then what do I want to be shown for my life? Like, what do I what am I doing with my life that's gonna leave a legacy that others would want to follow? Uh, Jeremy Stonecker asked this great question one time in our program. He's uh, my, the CEO at Mighty Oaks. And remember we were all sitting in front of veterans and he said, is, he asked this question to a group of veterans. He said, is the, if, if everyone, the people you loved, your children, your friends, and the people you love live the life that you're living right now, would, would they live a legacy worth following? Would, would, uh, would you want your children to follow them? Like if the people in your life that loved you, like live the life the way I like, you're living today, would there be a worthwhile life to follow? And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty profound question, you know, uh, and, I, and I have to ask myself, is the decisions I'm making right now, 
uh, those things that's worth people following. I'm, both my sons work at Mighty Oaks Foundation now. They both are Marines that work at Mighty Oaks Foundation. Like the decisions I make as an organizational leader in my personal life, all those decisions I make, essentially they're going to have to live with those decisions. Uh, and so what am I leaving behind for them? And uh, so every time I get frustrated, every time I get tired, every time I, I run into you know things that I'm not happy about, instead of thinking about the right here and right now, always look down the road. You know, when my sons take over the organization one day, when I'm, when I'm 80 years old, you know, my grandkids, like family reunions at, at you know, at my 50th anniversary, like, you know, all those things, I think down the road, because ultimately I think when we look to the future, it's very easy. It's a lot easier to see what we want. You have to, you'll never be fit married 50 years. If you don't be married the 28th year, you have to look beyond your nose Hey, uh, Chad, thank you for taking time being on the show today, guys. You got to get this book. If you know me, then, you know, I've talked about it a couple of different times, unfair advantage, victory in the midst of battle. If you're in the herd, we're going to continue that conversation over there. Chad, thank you, brother, for making time. Thank you for what you're doing with Mighty Oaks Foundation. Thanks so much. Thank you, men, for listening to or watching the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. If you're looking for any of the links mentioned in today's podcast episode, make sure you check out the show notes. You will find them there. If you will, leave a five-star review on iTunes. That just continues to help get the word out about the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Men, if you are in the herd, we are going to continue our conversation over there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness. Thank you.